People that want to do budget, I don't. We don't do budget reports. We just eliminate expenses. Yes. Yes. Here we go. Welcome to the Todd Capital Millionaire Podcast. At Todd Capital, we believe business and investing are team sports. And this podcast is for those who want to turn their capital into generational legacy. It's what you all been waiting for, ain't it? Join us for the Black Men Building Wealth Virtual Conference, February 29th, 2020, from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., featuring Charles Oglesby, Andre Hatchett, Jillian Gordon, Brian Robinson, Brandon Thomas, Oge Madu, Gene Holloman, Lamont Woods, Jay Morrison, Torrance Reed, Byron Sellers, Henry Washington, Brian Thomas, Xavier Miller, Chris Senegal, Jeremy Johnson, and more. Topics covered will include marriage, personal finance, debt pay-down strategies, tech and investing, mobile home real estate investing, tax strategies, and more. All proceeds will be donated to the Bless a Black Man Foundation. It's the Black Man Building Wealth Virtual Conference. It's lit. This episode is brought to you by... 24-7 Watches. Shop our limited edition luxury watches at 247watches.com. That's T-W-E-N-T-Y 47watches.com. Use code Todd Capital at checkout for special discount. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at 247watches. That's at T-W-E-N-T-Y 47watches. And here's your host, Mr. Todd Millionaire himself, Charles Oglesby. This is the Todd Capital Millionaire Podcast. This is episode 137. My name is Charles Oglesby, also known as Todd Millionaire, also known as Partner with Millie, founder and director of the Todd Capital Investment Club. We have over 400 members on the stock side. We also have a bunch of members on the real estate side and in the vending machine side and in the barbershop doing a lot of really cool stuff. Make sure you leave us a rating or review, preferably a five-star review. Those help us rise up in the ranks. As we move in the ranks, more people get exposed to what we're doing. The purpose of this podcast, as I've said before, is to share the stories of successful African-American business owners and investors so that people can hear the stories of successful examples. They do exist. We want people to learn that business and investing are a team sport and the keys to financial success and generational wealth. With us today, we have Mr. George Gibson. He's from Vero Beach. He's a real estate investor who has had some success, and I think so much success he's been able to work his way out of a job and now be a full-time real estate investor. So I was actually on his podcast, and in talking to him, I learned that he had a story that I think we should share with the listeners, and it was just took us some time, and we finally got him on the show. So welcome to the show, man. Hey, Josh. Thanks for having me. So the first question we always start with is we want to know what life was like growing up. We feel like growing up sometimes um, can, I guess, motivate you to do what you're doing today. So can you talk to us about what early life was like? Right. Yeah. So I'm originally from North Carolina, um, the Raleigh-Durham area, but I'm from Oxford, which is the country. So I was born and raised there. But at in the fifth grade, that's when I ended up moving to Florida with my mom to reconnect with my dad. And that's where like the shifts changed because where I'm from in North Carolina, all my family worked for like nine to five factories. When you graduate high school, you go um, you choose a factory, you go work there for 30 years and you retire. That was just the normal thing for my family on my mom's side. I come down to Florida, my dad's side, my dad doesn't work a normal job. My grandparents don't work a normal job. My uncles don't work a normal job. They have real estate. They got rental properties, got a club. They got, in Florida, we got a lot of groves, like orange groves and stuff like that. So they got orange groves and it was just, it was just different. Life was different. You know, instead of um, like definitely. And once I got to middle school, most kids, you're like, okay, my parents won't be home this time of day. 
my dad never worked a normal job. So it's like in and out, in and out. And it was just every basketball game he came. But I lost you on the audio. And I know that if uh, it might have been, it's probably my, my Wi-Fi. Right. All right I got I you used back. The, I, oh, you got it. Yeah. What were you going to say? No, I used the internet. It's a dial by internet. That should be okay. Just okay. sometimes I don't, it, sometimes it comes in and goes out and you look like you're about to hit your stride. And I was like, I don't want to lose that information because right. my audio fell out. So, yeah, let's go. I just keep going? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, in Florida, my uh, my family, like I said, the main um, revenue was real estate. And they had, we had a bar, one of the largest bars here in the African, uh, Af- African-American community right here in, in the city. So, by me seeing that coming from, you know, working factory, then my, my, my grandparents and my dad, they have so much time to be with the family because everything is more set up as a business. Right. And that's kind of where I got, like, I didn't pay attention to it, but that's probably where my mindset came from now. I love it. I, I think that's so key because sometimes you just have to get around it. A lot of people think that you have to like strict, like focus on it intently, but sometimes just being in that environment, it shifts your mindset and it shifts your think. And the same thing is also true when you're in an environment where it's nine to five, like they're doing that just because that's their environment. That's all they think they can do. So that's cool. Um, but from there, I think you told me that you actually were working a nine to five job after high school. Right. So, so basically I, I go through, high school, like a normal normal kid. I'm a millennial. I'm 30 years old. So, you know, we graduate high school. What's next? College. So I did the college thing, went to college. I graduated not four years, but five years. But I did graduate, get my bachelor's degree in accounting, right? So I graduate. And my dad, he's seen how hard business was. So if you go through something in life and you, it was hard for you, you don't, you don't, you don't want is it connect you don't want your you don't want your children probably to go through the same thing. So basically I, I got my degree in accounting. I started looking for a job. I'm going to interviews. It's not me now. I'm doing this for my family. I got my degree. I supposed to get a job with a suit. So I'm, I'm going to <laughs> interviews. I'm going to interviews over and over. And I end up getting a job doing um like a advanced America. It wasn't even a big job, one of the cash advanced places, right? I do that first, but everybody see me in a suit. So they like, congratulations, you got a good job, right? And inside I knew, I mean, I'm making like $12 an hour, but I got on a suit. So people looking at you like you're important. So all right, I get out of there. The day I started that job at Advanced America, I told them I'm only working here until the post office hired me. And you know, the manager, she looked at me like, you really gonna tell me that in the first day? And it's, it's all about the vision. I know everybody know that vision. I already knew in vision, this was a temporary placement, you know? And I worked there three months. Three months after I worked there, I applied. I have already applied for the post office, but many people know getting into the post office is hard. So three months uh, down the line, I get a call from the post office and I go in for the interview and whatnot. I get the job. Life is great, right? So many people... They, you get the job for the post office. Um, a lot of older people say, you got a good job with benefits. You're set for life. You're set for life. And which I knew in, in my heart, it wasn't for me, you know? Mm-hmm. So... For in my case, I worked the post office for the I worked there for the first year, right? And that's for a lot of people that's working a normal job. You can do the same thing. The first year I worked there, I listened to Pandora, radio, rap music, Kevin Gates, Lil Wayne, all the new hottest rappers, right? Over and over and over for the whole first year. Didn't learn nothing, right? So the the second year I discovered the um, podcast. And I discovered uh, Bigger Pockets podcast, which is a real estate podcast. So I discovered that podcast and they had maybe 40 episodes. I, I listened to one and I was addicted to what they was talking about. So they only come out every Thursday. So I went back and started from episode number one. And I literally started listening to podcasts. No more music. No more music ever. Um, podcast for the next four years. 
And, and I give people hints too. The podcast, if you want to get into real estate or just motivation, I, I would listen to a bigger pocket. That's definitely number one. If you want to learn about real estate, um, number two, what would I do? Um, Gary, uh, Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk. If I mean, not every episode, he got a lot, he put out a lot of content. So you have to find the ones where they have great entrepreneur guests, but he give it to you raw, you know? So I would listen to um, podcasts, right? So the second year when I discovered this podcast, that's when, for that whole year, now this is not no overnight thing where people thinking you can just like, it just click. I, I was I was working at the post office, listening to podcasts, and I would tell the um, co-workers, you know, I'm going to get into real estate so I, so that I can get out the post office. And they were like, yeah, everybody else said they're going to quit or do this and do that. And I immediately, I, I, I just, I started taking action by working at the post office. You got me? Yep. So um, when you, I listened to the podcast and I worked there for five years. In them five years, the fifth year was, I just quit April 13th of last year, right? I went up, I went to work on, on Monday and the route I had was horrible, right? I had a bad day, just bad day overall. And I was like, I already been contemplating it, but I was like, that's it, you know, that's it. And I didn't have a lot of people think that you need you need a lot of money or another job set up. In, in one case, you do need to have a plan. I had a plan, but I didn't hit the lottery, you know? <laughs> so we'll get to that. But one of the things I wanna, or a few things I wanna pull out in that story that I think are really important is keeping that vision. I know vision is something we're going to talk about later because um, we'll talk about that once we get there, but it's something that I do as well. And it's something that I think our guests should listen to and kind of take heed to is you got to know what you want out of life. You got to have been seen it. You have to have been exposed to it. And sometimes you have to expose it to yourself on purpose. So you might not luck up and get kind of just dropped into an environment that's like perfectly going to allow you to, grow into an entrepreneur. So maybe you have to go chase that environment. Maybe you have to go get that through an internship. You have to get that through working after hours. Before I went to law school, I had a full-time job. And then after my full-time job, I would go work in a law office. Um, And it worked out because I was getting exposure. I was meeting lawyers. um, And I was also able to wait out the traffic because the traffic was no joke. Um, So that's dope. The other that I think that I hear from your story, and I think people overlook this a lot, is the degree in accounting. And you might not see how powerful it is, but having a degree, like accounting is the language of business. If you can understand the numbers, you can understand how a business works. You can understand how much you should be paying for a business or an asset. Um, Grant Cardone has a degree in accounting. My mom has a degree in accounting. I have a degree in finance. Brian, the CPA has, of course, a degree in accounting. There's a lot of power in getting a strong degree that parlays into your career. So um, let's talk about, yeah, go ahead, man. No, before you move on, I want to say that too, because a lot of people used to say, um, you got a, you got your degree in accounting, um, what you doing, what you using it for? And I used to say before this before I even started doing real estate, I say I'm using it for my personal life. So nowadays people, whenever you get a degree, instead of thinking I'm finna take my degree and, sh- and show it in somebody's face and say, hire me, look, I got this piece of paper, reverse your mind. You have to get your degree, but actually learn the feel, you know, learn it. And when you come out, put it to your real life experiences. So I was an accounting degree, but I didn't use it for Walmart. I use it from my budgeting, for my my bills, you know, and that's what I take away from what you just said. 100%. Um, I think on, on Twitter, I put out this idea that the only place for your degree isn't becoming an employee. Like you can take your degree and you can become a business person. Tide Capital is my finance degree right? in a business form. And real estate portfolio is your, because I mean, if you think about it, like a lot of this stuff, income, expenses, projections, it's all accounting and finance. A lot of people who can do it if they understand housing, but I think people 
get into real estate for, for different things. You understand the numbers of it. I understand the numbers of it. There's other people who might understand the building of it. And so they can get into real estate because they understand, oh, I need to put this kind of floor in there. Or I need to put this kind of whatever in there. And so they understand that aspect. So real estate is so broad that it allows a lot of people from different experiences and perspectives to participate and make money in it. And But that's one of the things, too, um, with social media. Like, all right, we own Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all this stuff, right? But you have to find out exactly what your gift is. So, like, all right, where I'm from in Florida, Vero Beach, a small town, right? A lot of African-Americans got a lawn service, um, starting to get sell hair. A lot of black women, we even had a computer supply store. Hair, but we're all piling up in the same field, you know? We got a lawn service, we selling hair, whatever, another popular african-american business everybody doing the same thing and we have to you have to go look at your life like i have friends like man george i'm gonna get my real estate license it might not be for you because i go through deals i'm i promise you if i didn't really love real estate i'll be like the heck with it this deal is over with i'm just move on but the fact that i don't really consider it a job is i treat it different you know right i think that's very key because it's something that you see on social media a lot everybody wants a t-shirt company Everybody wants to yes. do the do the same stuff, and I feel like it, you have to kind of chase your passion. And I don't, I'm not like, I'm not big on chasing your passion. It's, it's not crazy your passion; it's your gift. It's what you do. Right. Like me, my, like took me. I'm 30 years old, right? I probably just discovered this, which I prayed for. You know what I mean? Like a year or two ago. Like my my gift in real estate is finding finding and recognizing deals. Yeah. You know, that's only one part. So I still got other people that help me with the uh, paint and the re- rehab. I can't do all of it, but it's somebody out there with that gift, which I do need on my team mm-hmm. so we can grow, you know? Right. It's very difficult to have a community if everybody's trying to do the same thing. You can't have a shopping center and you just have a whole bunch of hair weave spots. Right. And then that's the thing. In real estate, when I when I do a deal, like right now, I just bought a house, right? I closed Friday. I paid a um, inspector, which is we don't have too many African-American inspection inspector people. Uh, we paid an appraiser. I don't choose the appraiser, but I doubt it was an African-American. The bank choose the appraiser, right? I had to go get, um, what else I had to get? Insurance. I don't have no no close people that are African-American insurance companies. That's three things right there. I spent money and it's all gone to a different community, you know? So, I'm like, people have to look at, instead of doing the same thing, t-shirt company and whatnot, we need to, we can get services. So when I need um, a roof put on, or I got, we got a company, you know, cause we know how to do it, but we want to do the handyman stuff instead of doing it the big business way. Right. And, and I feel like now that everybody's growing in business, we have to be intelligent in how we as a community plan our businesses, meaning that they have a chamber of commerce for a reason. They have all these different functions and government programs for a reason. We can't just say, oh, well, you're making money doing that. I'm going to do this too. Like, no, we, as the business leaders in this community said that we already have too many of those. So you need to figure out a different lane to be in. And guess what? We're going to help that business become successful. It's not good luck. Go make it work. Like, no, we're going to, we're going to send you leads. We're going to send you different contracts. We're going to help you make that successful. So the thing you don't kill both of your businesses, because what happens is if I have a hair weave shop and you have a hair weave shop and we both go into business because you see me making money selling hair weave, we're both exactly. going to be out of business soon. You're just going to push all our profits down to zero. And that's, that's the, that's the important, that's what Facebook do to our community. We get something, we show it out there. Somebody else see you doing it. They copy it, you know? So after, um, all right, getting, back, getting back to it at the post office. Yeah. <laughs> once, once, hey, look, once I, once, um, I told, I had a couple of bets there too. I told a couple of guys, um, I would, cause everybody who come in, you kind of get stuck. You're making $50,000 a year, right? Which it may be a lot to some people. It may not be a lot to others. 
But to me, it provides a house, cars, and a couple of vacations a year. That's what $50,000 do where I live at. So a lot of people say, where is you going to go and make this type of money? Or the uh, one of the older guys have been that 30 years say, George, I'll call you in 10 years and I'll be on my uh, on my boat and I'll ask you how my route going, you know? So all this stuff motivated me to pursue my passion even more because I've seen the lives, lives of people. If you right now working your job, look at people who've been at 20 years. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that could be you, but... 10% better or less, it could be you, you know? And 100%. I looked at it. I looked at the cars they drove. And the, the main thing that got me is if you go to work and complain, like today is, what's today? I don't even remember the days no more because I don't live my life based on days no more. Like it doesn't matter. I, I'm excited. But today's Sunday. Tomorrow, I'm excited for Monday because the work week get back going. Now, when I was at the post office, I'm already, when you say the word work, my whole energy would drain because you're going to a place that you, you're, not, you're not excited about going there, you know? So- that's what motivated me to get out. But while I was at the post office, I would um, my first house that I purchased it was at an auction. It was I, during the uh, mail route. It allowed me to see every house, every business. So I, I started getting from, um, thinking about what I want to do. So the first house I seen it was going up for auction on a Saturday, right? I got off on that Saturday. I took off, right? So I go to the auction. They start to bid out, and guess where this house at? This house is literally right across the street from the post office. So my motivation was <laughs> I'm gonna go to work every day and look and see I own that. You know, so I went to the auction. It started out. It was probably like 10 people there. Right. So I, I guess I, I really want this house. I know my limit what I can buy it for. So I'm like, I'm at the auction. All right. They started to bid off 30,000, 35. I'm bidding right. 40. It got down to like 40, $45,000. Three bedroom, one bath house. It's me and a guy. He's probably like 85 years old. I mean, he looked like his money's big. He drove his car up to the auction table. I'm like, oh man, I'm going against this guy. He finna, you know, whoop me. So, they, but he didn't understand 47.5. 47.5 is 47,500. I don't know how he can understand that, but we're bidding 47.5, 48. And the lady, you know, when, if you ever been to an auction, they come to you. It's only money. Come on, go up an extra thousand. So I ended up stopping at 52,000. And I mean, you know how they say they going for more people. I felt like it went like this. He stopped and then he like the bid over with. And I'm like, I just spent $52,000, you know? And I, I literally wanted to run back to him and be like, nah, he can have it because I was so scared, you know? So I'm like, man, I just bought a house. I don't know if I made the right decision. So I go up there, I put, I fill out the check, do the 10% deposit. And what people um, should understand is too, buying a house, if you if you buying it with a loan, you're protected in so many ways because the bank not going to loan you the money if the house is not worth it. So you're protected. But in the auction case, you're buying it as is. So I, 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 I put my deposit down. But the seller didn't accept that offer. He counted back because it ain't going to hire enough. So we went back and forth with that. But I, I didn't, I ended up not getting the house because the seller, he wouldn't um, come down to that price. But I'm like, I was stressed out about, you know, spending that money and the seller still didn't accept the offer. So I'm like, oh, I can do this, you know, in which, so I was bummed out by that house. I'm like, man, what happened? It had open permits. That's what caused it not to uh, go through though. He didn't want to close the open permits in which people should know, you know, open permits, it's going to be big if you get, if you can't get it closed, if it's something major, like a roof or something. Mm-hmm. So I, I missed out on that house. I was kind of bummed out, right? But another option came up. And this the second house, I was, I'm driving to Melitor, right? And I'm in I'm in the um, urban communities. I see an older white guy at the door. Nice house, right? I stop. I say, "This your house?" He said, "Yeah, um, I'm having an auction off uh, Saturday." I'm saying, "Okay." So I, I went around, looked at it, and I was like, "Man, I'm, I might be interested in buying it." So he said, "Come to the auction." Yeah. Well, I can't get off this Saturday, right? So I literally planned my route so that I would be by that house at eleven o'clock on that Saturday. 
Wow. You know what I mean? So I, I, I planned my route, so I'd be right there. So when it started, I mean, I'm right there in um by the yard, and my wife, we were basically on the phone. I told her my number, right? Because if you uh, if I'm at the auction, I tend to keep going up. It's just hard for me to stop, right? So I told her my number, which was, I think, for this house was 48. And the auction start, we bid. We win this house at like 53000 something like that, right? I win it. I'm like, okay, good deal. We got it. I get back in the truck. Now this, I'm still at work. I bought a house. I'm on the mail route, right? Yeah. And we closed on it in 30 days, whatever. And I bought it for fifty thousand. I cut the tree down in the front yard, sprayed some air freshener, and about 40 days later, I sold it for like, um, I bought it for fifty three and sold it for seventy five. Wow. You know what I mean? And that was like, you know, it should have, I should have did it again, right? But I didn't. <laughs> Hi, how are you? I am Andre C. Hatchett, 15-year mobile notary pioneer and veteran. We have created the Notary Business School, which will show you how to start a successful, long-term, needed business as a mobile notary public. Well, with 15 years of experience and with different downturns in the economy, we have labeled this business as being recession-proof, meaning that you can run this business in any climate, any city, any state in America. On average, our students make between 60 and 200 $50 per appointment, which usually takes under an hour. I'll say that again. On average, our students usually make between $60 and $250 per appointment as a mobile notary public. If you would like to enroll and save a few dollars, go to the website, millinotarypromo.com. That is millinotarypromo.com. Look forward to seeing you in class. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Hey everybody, it's your girl Erica Williams from the Classy Climb blog. I'm a six-figure YouTube earner and the author of the book Smartphone Millionaire, how to lend to people, real estate, and businesses from the palm of your hand. And if you're interested in the three things that changed my life over the past four years to become a six-figure YouTube earner and investor in multiple properties in multiple states, I would love for you to join me over at the Classy Climb YouTube channel. This episode of the Talk Capital Millionaire podcast is sponsored by Hood Estates. Hood Estates is offering a Hood Estates elite real estate investing program, as well as a Hood Estates trucking program. All the details can be found in the show notes. You can also find them on Instagram at Hood Estates. Some more money to pay off debt and increase your income? I'm Terry Egioma from Invest with Terry, and I teach an online course on how to invest in the stock market for daily or weekly returns. My seven-step strategy saves you time and erases the guesswork from trading. With these seven steps, I've earned over 16000 in a day without having a large account. Start big or small. These proven steps will increase your profits and decrease your losses. To learn more, visit itradeandtravel.com. <laughs> so hold on, wait <laughs> a second. You, you, did you have 50000 saved up? No, no. All right. All right. And that's the part where people might be like, okay, you raised with a silver spoon. Everybody got your advantages, right? So my advantage was, um, Basically, my dad did have a property, but it was paid for it, right? And I went and got a line of credit against that property, mm. so it don't hurt the, the person who owned it. It don't hurt them, and it, as long as you don't, uh, you don't, you know, stop making payments on your open line of credit, you keep the house. So I went and got an open line of credit. So I had that line of credit, and that's how I was able to purchase the house. Nice. And that's yeah, and that's for a lot of people, you know. You look at your grandparents, somebody, uncles who had a house for a long time, 20, 30 years, and if they trust you well enough, they let uh, an open line of credit is different from a, a, a refinance. Refinance means you're taking out a whole new mortgage. I didn't take out a mortgage on it. It's only I had payments if I used it. That's the difference between a, a line of credit and a refinance mortgage. What kind of bank do you go for that? Did you go to like a big bank? Did you go to a community bank? Did you go to, uh, who, who did that for yeah. you? 
No, all right. And that's, oh, this is a lot of information. I could sell it. But no, you go to credit unions. I went to Wells Fargo. I went to Bank of America. I went to all the bank, bank, big banks. When you're starting out and you're getting loans, go to your local credit union. You don't have to look on Google or nothing. That's the best place to start. Yeah, that's good. That's good information right there. All right, so yeah. that was your very first deal. How did you know to go so lean on the, the rehab and then know that it was worth a lot more? The guy had rehabbed the house to sell it at the auction. And I'm in Florida. He's from Oklahoma. He rehabbed the house and auctioned it off. It's been in the family a long time. You never know a person's circumstances until you talk to him. Even the people who own the auction, they said, we knew he would accept that offer. If it never went to auction, they would have just bought it. So, you know, it was kind of like a hard thing. Like he thought it probably would go for like 70, 60, but it was all profit to him because it was paid for. And he lived in Oklahoma. So he just accepted the offer for 50 some thousand dollars, you know? in which it was already rehab. He painted, everything was done. You know, I spray, I literally sprayed air freshener in there, trimmed the front tree down. And I had a, um, and then this is a tip for people too. When you first get a property and you're, the next thing I'm doing is put a for rent sign out, right? I put the sign out for rent. I put on Craigslist. You get all these phone calls. Instead of going to the house one by one, I schedule um, Saturday from 10 a.m. to 10.30, I will be at the house. You come in, you do an application and then you put your name down instead of you going back and forth. You know, so you eliminate the people who did no calls, no show. Because when you get a house for rent nowadays, it's, it's like a hot commodity. Mm-hmm. So that's how you eliminate the people who are not serious. Like the, kick, the tire kickers. So you, yeah. you have these guys fill out the application before they even toured the house? Or do no, they do they, they tour it and they it was like to an open like house. Yeah. Yeah, like open house. So they basically came and toured the house. They liked it. They filled out application. And mind you, I was trying to rent that house out, but I couldn't get a loan at the time for some reason. So that's why I ended up selling it. You mm. know? Yeah. So So I, I think that is dope and it speaks to the power of real estate and that a lot of times real estate has built in exit strategies a lot of different exit strategies. So you got it and it's like, dang, I can't rent it out or I can't refi it like I plan to. I guess right. I got to, I can still make money that way too. Right. And that's when you, um, when you go like me in this market right now is it was at the top, the market is going down right now. So if you, I would go into any property, making sure it'll be a great rental property. Cause mm-hmm. I go into it that way because if I know I can rent the property out, if it's a flip, that's only like sausage on the pepperoni on the pizza, you know? But if it's a good rental, that's good too. But don't go into a property where I have to flip it. And if I had to rent it, I'm going to lose money each month. That is, Mm -hmm. I would never even go look at that property, you know? So you made 20 grand approximately. Where'd you go after that? All right. After that, I probably should have did it again, right? But I, it took me, what did I do after that? Oh yeah. After that, some time went by and I had that money and did I buy another house? No, I didn't buy another house yet. I had that profit. I put the money back on the line of credit after I sold it, right? So now I got, the, I put the money back on the line of credit and I got the money I made. And nice. my next property was literally a year, two years later. So for two years, that wow. was, I got, yeah, it might've been, it might've been one year. I'm not sure, but I, I did that deal. I didn't do no more deals for the rest of that year, right? I made that money. So just this past April, of 2019, I that's when I officially quit my job. Because my whole thing was, I'm going to quit my job once I got, uh, say, six or 10 rental properties coming in to cover my job, you know, income. But I didn't do that. It was like, you have to follow, like, my mindset and my heart was telling me, you don't supposed to be here. And that's for a lot of people. I see people at McDonald's, so we all the time. And if you ever notice, people just going through the motion. And I I, I question, like, what, what you do? What you mean what I do? What you do? And they'll say what they do. And what they do is not what they're doing. Right now, they might, like one kid told me he was into computers, but he was working at Subway. 
And I was trying to tell him, you, this is only temporary. Go get on the computer when you get off work, you know? And yeah. and and that's what my thing was. So I'm work, I'm still working at the post office. I ended up opening up a beauty supply store because I met an owner on the route. He owned the plaza. And I met this guy. He was like a, he was an older guy, right? But he he really helped me out a lot. I, we, me and my wife opened up a beauty supply store in a community, and we did that thing. And I, I learned too. Everything is not for you. Me, I don't like to sit at the store all day and um, you know, do the cash register. That's just not for me. And at the right. time, we, when you start a business, you don't make enough money. And in majority of the business, you have to run it yourself at first. You know, I don't care what business. If you don't open up a, a business and have employees out the gate, um, yeah. it's going to be tough because you got to get good employees, first of all, and your business got to be profited right out the gate, which most businesses take time, right. you know? That's true. So, yeah. So I, we opened a beauty supply store and that ran for a year. That was what, I, that's what I did with that money, the 20 grand. We opened up the beauty supply store. So that ran for a whole year. And when I, I quit the post office on a, on a Monday, we still had the store and I was like, okay, I'm going to just grow the business, grow the, um, the beauty supply store. But I mean, just like any business, that wasn't my calling. That was my wife calling, but she's still at work too. She working on five. So I'm trying to, you know, do her calling. I'm at the store all day in which I want to be out doing real estate. So I, I quit my job and I focus, I get, I get my real estate license. And that's how you know things are destined because I'm not like in school, I was never a good test taker. So to get your real estate license, you have to take two tests, a state test and then um, the regular class test. I passed both of them tests with I probably, you need a 75. I probably got a 76 or 75. You know, I'm not like I was the type of student in college. I would do all the homework and extra credit and get a D on the test. So it average out at a B minus or C plus. And that's just I, I just never been great at taking tests. But that goes to show you that the school system, even though you do great on tests, that, that don't that don't solve, you know, what I mean, all your financial issues. That's just me. You just a good test taker, you know, great at memorizing. So, <laughs> Yeah, great at memorizing. Yeah. So I, I take my test for real estate license. I passed it. I'm like, okay. So I got my license and my son was born. My son was born. And I, that's when I, I worked a year from the date he was born. So that was the whole thing. I never seen my dad go to work. He always came to my basketball game. And I knew if I stayed at the post office, I would be missing a lot of um, first moments and a lot of activities once he started school. So I, mm-hmm. I grind hard. I work and I kept not when I mean work is the mind. I was I kept learning bigger pockets, reading books. I got a whole bunch of books on a bookshelf now, but I'm just feeding my mind. And then uh, a lot of things. If you're looking at this right now, what I'm saying to you, you have to believe it because everything that I heard, my friends were the people on the podcast because in your everyday life, you're not going to have people with the same mindset. So my friends were the people on the podcast. So what they were saying now at my point in my life, it was true. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? A lot of people want to be like, oh, that ain't work for me. No, if you write down what you're supposed to do every day and you check it off, you will be successful. Yeah. You know? So what does the portfolio look like right now? So right now, all right. And that's the thing. When I quit my job, I had zero properties, right? I quit my job in April. I bought a, what was the first house I bought? I bought a duplex first, right? And that's this morning, guess what? And that's this just side note for the people who think everything I'm saying for real estate, you want to get in just to be rich. That's not true. Last night, my phone rang at one o'clock this morning. Right. I had two missed calls from the tenant, but I was asleep. So this morning, phone rang again at seven o'clock. I answered. Hey, George. Um, Last night, uh, my girlfriend, she broke out all the windows in the apartment. Yes. I'm like all the windows in the apartment. She literally, they something going on, but all the windows in my duplex right now are broke as we're speaking. And after that's this, I have to go down there to board them up. But yeah, it's not a cheap yeah. fix. Say it again. I said that's not a cheap. Well, it, it could be kind of done. I was, I was well, saying, you don't not- have to replace the windows. You got to replace the glass. But the whole glass. big thing yeah. about this, this is my first time experiencing this. So what, I, what I'm learning is you got to make sure the lease right, and also, I mean, it's a learning experience. Who responsible for that? 
am I responsible for that? Is the tenant responsible for that? Or is the girlfriend responsible for, responsible for it? So, like, I'm in the midst of learning as I go. So, people, you can read all you want. I read. I never heard nobody go about this on the Bigger Pockets podcast, even though I listen right. to all 100 episodes. So, even though you do all this book work, you still going to have first-time things that happen. So, I mean, I deal with it as I go, and uh, I keep learning. Like so I bought the duplex back in um, September, right? So that's uh, that duplex in which I lost at an auction because I didn't bid high enough. But And that goes back to believing, like, I believe in God. So that I didn't win the auction, but the house ended up going for sale, the duplex. And I ended up still purchasing it. So I purchased that duplex for 80000 and. And that's the thing, too, about the numbers. You know numbers, right? So I'm looking for cash flow. I don't work no more. So the main thing is cash flow. So when people are you looking for deals, if you're buying a house, the whole goal is you want a mortgage with taxes and insurance included at least $300 less than what you can rent out for, you know? So I basically bought that house, which is a great deal, duplex, and purchased that. And then after I bought that one, um, I partnered up with another guy and we bought an Airbnb. And many people who are in rental property, um, the older generation are not sure about the Airbnb, but Airbnb B brings the most cash flow in this day and time. So I got an Airbnb, the duplex, and we're all closed on another house Friday, which is another single family house. And then we got another house coming to North Carolina. So right now it's, it's four properties that's kind of out there right now. So the dopest part about what I hear when you say that is it's tough to buy homes if you're working a nine to five, there's a book by Robert Kiyosaki called um, Retire Young, Retire Rich. And the quote that he says in that book is the problem with the day job is it gets in the way of getting rich. And so like, I'm in the position now where it's like, bro, like we have all this stuff going on. My job is getting in the way. My job prevents me from being able to do everything I can do for this business. Another thing you said that was really dope is when you start a business in the beginning, it actually becomes, it's you who's doing a lot of the work and you have to accept that. So it's me, I'm doing the contracts, I'm doing the accounting work, I'm doing the analysis, I'm doing the property management, I'm doing all this stuff, but that's just in the beginning. Then as it grows, as it scales, you get there. But I just think it's dope that you quit your job and then you got to the units. A lot of people, they want to get the units before they quit their job, not realizing that that free time is going to allow them to get the units. Can you agree with that? Yes. And, but everybody's situation is unique. My situation was my wife still works. So Technically, I still can get a loan, you know, so you got to look at everybody's situation look um, different. You got kids and your job. I mean, if you quit your job and you don't make no money for the next two months, don't quit your job. I mean, if you're going to be homeless, you know, me. And that's one of the things I want to tell too. a lot of people if right now, if you're listening, get your pen and pad out, write this down. What really got me started in this was the house hacking. Yeah. So, yeah, so my first house, even before we even talked, that my first house, initial house, I bought that house with the New American Dream. I started out at the post office. I bought a regular three-bedroom, two-bath house. I bought a two cars. We had two car payments and a dog, right? I was living the American Dream. I, I did that probably, what, three or four months. And I was like, this can't be life. This can't be life. I got two car payments, a house note, and I'm going to work that I don't like every day. So that's when I started. Um, reverse engineering going backwards. I got rid of the car payments, sold a house, made a lot of money on a house in which people don't know if you sell a house after you live there for two years, that's tax-free income. Long as you, yeah, stay there for two years. It has to be a primary residence. And you're if you're married, it's up to 550000 tax-free. So you can literally make four hundred grand and not pay a dime in taxes on it. So that was my first thing because I never got a large sum of money. You know, I'm always working with five, $4,000, just like the average Joe, you know. But when I sold the house, I, I got a little lump sum of money. So I ended up buying, and this is what, for the young people, you start out, you buy either a duplex, 
duplex or a house with a guest house. So in my situation, I'm looking for a duplex. All the duplexes, the numbers don't make sense. It's overpriced. So I go look at this house, popped up. It's a large house. It got a guest. It said mother-in-law suite. And the lady who lived in it before me, she used it as a normal house, like an extra living room. Soon as I seen it, ding, 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 I can rent this out. Mm -hmm. So what the asking price they wanted was like a no-brainer because I knew that I could rent this out. So basically, you buy a house. We talked the numbers on this one. All right, we're talking numbers. Okay. So the the house, the asking price was 180, right? And if if you go to the bank, you say, um, I got a house price that 180 and you use an FHA loan, which you got to put 3.5% down, right? So based on that, on them numbers, the, the, the bank will give you a number saying, all right, your monthly payment will be close to this. It's going to be between $1,200 and $1,400. It's not going to be exact because you got to get taxes and whatnot. But that was what it told me. So I said, okay, payment between twelve dollars and $1,400, the house one eighty. dollars So you got to put 3% down, 3% of one eighty by $7,000 plus closing costs. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I put the offer in, I think at one seventy, dollars and she came back at one seventy-five, dollars and I think we settled right there, right? But that wasn't the catch. We settled at one seventy-five, dollars but you have to have an inspection. Once you buy a house, you get an inspection done. That is the buyer's leverage. You want to inspect. You want to go get an inspector who filled the paper up. You want an inspection guy who write every single thing down. I know you don't want that kind of inspector because you're selling, right? But we want an inspector that's going to put every single thing in the report. So basically, this guy came back and he had um, basically one of the um, the septic tanks was illegal. So that was like a big thing, right? That need to get fixed, which cost like seven thousand dollars. So that was my leverage. Once you, that's the buyer leverage. Once, once you come up with an issue at the property, it don't mean it's a deal breaker. In which I tell people all the time, is uh, the right number can always make the deal happen. So I never, I'm never looking at a deal and saying, oh, that's a bad deal. I'm just saying, well, how much would I pay now? So we got the buyer, to, the seller, to pay the closing costs. So when once I close in that house, we ended up uh, the payment like say thirteen hundred dollars. And the the part I'm renting out, Airbnb is twelve hundred dollars average wow. a month. Yeah. Wow. So I went, think about it now. You the American dream is to wow. buy a house. Yeah, the American dream is you go buy a house and live in it. And they call it an asset. That's not an asset That's because fire. Nobody's yes. doing no people everybody talks about house hacking and they want to house hack it with a long term tenant as opposed to house hacking with Airbnb. No, 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 no. It's it's up to you now. If you Airbnb, um, is like double the rent on average because you're not it's a nightly rate. So I probably could rent it out for like eight hundred dollars a month, in which it would be okay because you know somebody's paying more than mortgage. But I'm all, I almost covered the mortgage with Airbnb, and once you learn how to you know use Airbnb and become a super host, we're a super host now. So it's like. It's booked up for months, you know, and that's that was, that's the key to people who want to do budget. I don't, we don't do budget reports. We just eliminate expenses because it's hard for oh. me to budget. Like I, it's hard, it's hard for me to stick to a budget and that's on a personal scale, you know? So I basically got rid of the car payments, got rid of them cars and got rid of the housing costs. So, you know, nice. basically what's next. Yeah. I love it, man. That is fire. Um, man. So I want to know how you become a super host with the Airbnb. Superhost with Airbnb, which it popped up on us. We've probably been a superhost now about uh, three, two, three months. And okay. basically follow the direction on Airbnb. When they come up to leave a review, write a review. When they come up saying um, anything, when people write you a message, you don't wait two days. It, it come up as a text message. So as soon as the message come up, you're, you got 24 hours to reply. So your your reply rate is 100%. 
and you can't have no cancellations. So that's one of the things that set us back. Uh, we had a vacation coming up and we forgot to block that time off. So if you do a cancellation, it messes your super holes up. You have to have a year straight with no cancellations. So if you know you can't, you know, provide that, you need to cancel it off because as soon as you, you the host have to cancel, you have to wait a whole nother year for that anniversary before you can um, become a super host. And then after that is on basically like on quarterly terms. And then also you said you don't do budgets, you eliminate expenses. Can you kind of go into expand on that for me, please? Yeah, so the the budget thing is um, like, um, what's the guy named Dave Ramsey? He wants you to put money in envelopes and say, don't spend over this on fast food. Don't spend over this in gas. Well, what if I got to go out of town? So I don't, I don't do that at all. I basically, I want a lot of leftover. So like I said, the main thing that kills people's pocket is housing and cars and food is third. So by me doing the air, I'm, you know, buying a house with a guest house that eliminate housing by you driving a, we drive older cars, but they still work, which eliminates the car payments, you know? So the, my biggest expense is probably food. <laughs> That's crazy, cars. man. Yeah. So but, did you guys, you paid off the cars or you just bought cars you could pay in cash? No, we paid them off. So basically... Yeah, like, and that's one of the things, like, the um, book uh, called The One Thing. We focus, um, I mean, if that's your goal, you write it down. My goal is to do this, pay off this car. But the initial thing was we didn't have even close to new cars. Paying off a car was, like, three or four grand because we already bought older cars, you know? So mm-hmm. it wasn't, like, you no know, $15,000, $20,000 car. It was, yeah. like, yeah, you know what I mean? Eight. I would stay stay under eight seven thousand dollars at least. But seven thousand dollars can get you a reliable car. Exactly. If you get a reliable car, the goal is to get to your location, Right. Not so much shining as you get to your location, if you want freedom. And then as you grow that freedom, that asset column, then you can maybe drive what you want to drive. That is dope, man. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that. Everybody talks about house hacking, but they don't talk about being intentional about house hacking through Airbnb, which allowed you to eliminate the entire mortgage. That is the gem that I took from this show. Also, like a lot of inspirational stuff. Do we miss anything? Is there something that we should be talking about that I didn't get a chance to touch on? Um, Airbnb. No, just th- that's one of the keys. I mean, before you can invest, invest in real estate, like, I mean, aggressive, you have to work on yourself. So if, if you can like eliminate a lot of, a lot of things, like, and mainly the most expensive stuff in your life that you can um, cut down on costs, that's one of the keys to success. Because if I still had a, a house and car payments, I will probably be in a mail route right, right now. Yeah. And that's when people yeah. started making more money. You like, I can almost tell when a new person get hired at the post office, I say in three months, he'll have a new car out there. And next thing you know, you see a new car pulling in the parking lot. And guess what? The postmaster say, we got him. Because guess what? When I want you to do something, you have a chance you can lose that car if you don't do it. <laughs> you know? Right. That's, so it's you got, so crazy. Got you by the net. I was thinking about that too. I was like, man, like paying off your car isn't just like saving extra money. It's also freedom. Like I don't have to get up and do this for a paycheck anymore. If I want to, I can but you guys have bought yourself freedom by eliminating your expenses through your passive income. Exactly. So to, to close out the show, I'm going to call this segment the final four. The first exactly. question of the final four is who is somebody that you look up to and why? Mm. Who is somebody I look up to? Jeez, man, that's a lot of people I listen to. Um, probably uh, between TD Jakes, because even though I didn't talk about a lot, you know what I mean? A lot of people say, how'd you quit your job? I say it was God. I literally Googled what, what God tell me to quit my job. You know, I Googled it. And I mean, people might think it's crazy, but in that sense, he told me, you know what I mean? You'll be okay. To, he, you you will eat, you will have a house, you have a car. So, I mean, yeah. I, I like uh, T.D. Jakes and uh, I listen to a lot of DJ Envy too with the family. Um, Man, I'm so intrigued by this whole quitting your job thing. Like, do you think that you make more money now that you have more of your time? Or do you think that it's about the same? Do you think that you've taken a pay cut? How have your finance kind of changed since you quit your job? All right. That's a good question. That's a really good question. 
all right, I make a lot less money, right? I was making, I was making probably like fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars every two weeks. So that's like thirty-two hundred dollars a month. I don't have that now, right? So I make less money, but at the same time. I took that time and it's kind of starting to snowball. At first it was a lot less, but now that I'm starting to catch like traction with these rental properties, it's like money starting to come back in. And what you want to really worry about is if you look at it small, don't look at how much money you make over the year. Look at the monthly. So if you can just control the month, like I know on the first of the month, this rent coming in, you know, and I know my expenses over here. So even though I can buy, like right now, if you had a good deal on me, I could go all the way down to $1,000 left in my whole last name. Because I know as long as I got this rent coming in, it's going to outweigh the bills, you know? And literally us, when you're coming from nothing, we we like to see an account with $10,000 in it or whatever your number is. So that was my thing, getting over seeing just a number. That number, if you got $10,000 in your account just sitting, it's not working for you. Each one of my dollars is working. So yeah, I'm going to take that 9000 and spend it on a rental property. I'm not going to invest in your business, nobody else's business, because I like real estate. Do what's for you, invest in yourself. So I trust my 9000 going into real estate. And that's one of the things, yeah, you're going to make less, but at the same time, I'm a lot happier too. I go to like yesterday, I was with my family all day, went to birth, birthday parties, and when I was working at the post office, my brother worked there now. He's doing the same thing. He's like a younger version of me. So he's working there. He's going to take the money, buy rental properties, and eventually he's going to get a peace sign, you know? Yeah, I love it. What yeah. is your favorite business or real estate book? Uh, my favorite my favorite uh, real estate book would be, my favorite real estate book would be, um, I don't want to say Rich Dad Poor Dad. That, the Rich Dad Poor Dad was the first one I kind of like, I listened to audio book too. And that's what people need to start thinking about. When people say the first book you read, I don't really read as much as I listen to audiobooks because that's how I learn. And I didn't, you don't, they don't tell you that in school either. You should be taking in information the way you learn. You may learn by reading. I learn by listening. And I discovered that at the age of 25. You know, that's 25 years that I've been reading and fell in test because I'm learning based off reading and not comprehending. But I listened to the Rich Dad Poor Dad and um, Scott Trench, Set for Life. That would be a good book. What's the book in your hand right there? Oh, yeah, this book, this um, business book. Everybody should get. My wife just bought me this book. This guy was on TDJ's um, show, Doing Business by the Good Book. And like it's it. basically 52 lessons on success straight from the Bible. I love it. So it's basically um, like, I mean, I, a lot of things you got to, you might have a vision. Nobody's seen me doing this, you know, nobody. The co-workers, they call me crazy. And a lot of times when people say stuff is crazy, you're going to make a lot of money, you know? Bars. So it, it look weird. You see something weird on the road. I'm pretty sure it's a eight plex going on top of eight plex, you know? Mm -hmm. But um, this book, I wanted the things I want to tell you. <laughs> it was, um, oh yeah, here you go. I'm gonna read it to you. Matthew, um, verse Matthew chapter 25. You got to read it. God gave three guys talents. He gave the first guy. Have you heard this? Of course. Oh, like you, I just the, listener, the listeners <laughs> okay. might not have ever heard it. So tell them. All right. All right. Listen, God gave the first guy five talents, right? All right. He gave the second guy two talents. He gave the third guy one talent. So the guy let a few months go by. He come back and he talked to guy number five who got, he gave five talents. He said, what do you have for me? The guy gave him 10 talents. He said, oh, you was a good person. Let me give you more responsibility in the world. He went to the guy number two. He gave two talents. He gave him back four talents. So God said, oh, you you doubled your talents. Let me give you responsibility too. So he went to the third guy and God gave him one talent. And he said, what you got for me? He said, well, God, I, I got I got one talent because I knew if I would have lost this one talent, you would have been mad at me. So I buried it in the ground until you came back and I gave it to you. And God literally called him an evil, lazy, so on, whatever, you know? And that goes to show you that if if like, if like God gives you something, like I paid my workers the other day, right? $40. You, you know, and we did 
hard work, right? We laid grass. You might have seen on Instagram. Do you realize he took $10 to play scratch off to win zero? So, you know, I gave you money. You invested it for zero. You know, you basically, you know what I mean? It was like, I couldn't understand it. Like, we sweated. You know, we worked hard. And you just, you didn't multiply. You just gave it away. So that's what God talking about. People who got a lot of responsibilities in life, uh, it's because they're doing the right thing. You either helping somebody, like I help people as much as I can, you know, and you try to you try to do what would God do, and that's that's basically basically my life now. Because I mean, I don't know where my next check coming from, so it's a lot of faith. I love it. What sets apart successful investors from those who give up, fail, and never get started? Mm. I would say surrounding yourself by people that make you comfortable. And what I mean by that is when you say a lot, a lot of people, when I used to be like, ah, uh, I want to buy this or do that. And they say, man, the tennis going to mess it up. You got to pay for all that. Just like this happened. And it's people at that level, at that level for a reason, because they can't, they, you need to put yourself in uncomfortable positions. So I do a lot of things now, like even this, it's my first time doing this, right? And it's not something I'm used to, but it's taking me to that next level. I went to a real estate conference. I didn't realize I was doing such, so well. You know what I mean? I, I'm talking to people. I'm like, I don't work. I got properties. I'm like, dang. But my head was down. So the main thing that sets you apart is don't listen to people right here. You got to, if you want to do something, go talk to people. You got Instagram. You know, you can reach all kinds of people or people in your community. So set yourself around people that you want to be like. Because a mentor, and when that become norm, hey, it's normal for my friend to have a million dollars. You know what I mean? And that's, mm -hmm. it's become the norm. So I say set yourself around people you want to be like. Dope, man. Last question is, where can people find out more about you? Where can they follow you? Where can they support what you have going on? All right. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Gibson Money Talk. That's where I show a lot of the um, rehabs and property we're doing. Um, also, that's pretty much it right now. I need, I'm getting on my website. I'm getting a website made. But um, really on Instagram right now, you can find me. And that's that's one of my things, too. Like, some people rather be famous. I don't really care about you, you knowing me. And, you know what I mean? I'm really about taking care of my family. And once you become at a certain level, it's not just your household. It's the community. You know what I mean? Kids. So that's my thing. Dope, man. Thank you for coming on the show. Definitely a super inspiring show. I took a lot from this show. I know the listeners are going to take a lot from this show. So for all the listeners, make sure you check out his information, the show notes. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I do got the podcast, the New American Dream podcast. And he was he a guest on my podcast. podcast. I was yes. a guest on that podcast. You should be able to find that on his page. And I have to set that up on my uh, at a link on my page for that interview, too. I need to create like a page of just all the interviews I've done. But that was a fun so it was where I got a chance to kind of uh, connect with you and hopefully this uh, friendship kind of blossoms as well. You guys uh, support our sponsors. Don't forget the sponsors, Terry Egioma. I'm an investor. Uh, the trade and travel program, she's doing crazy things, helping like a lot of people. I think she had like 700 students last year. So she's expecting to do a lot of really good things in 2020. I want you guys to be a part of it. Also check out Erica Classy Climb and her YouTube channel. She's a boss. I think she owns like 11 semi-trucks now, and she's probably even going to do any more, even more this year. Check out Andre C. Hatchet, mobile notary extraordinaire. He's doing some great stuff. Hood Estates has the Hood Estates Elite program they're starting now. I think it starts in February, in the middle of the February, so make sure you guys get involved with that. Also, make sure you check out their trekking course. It's only 250 bucks right now. Don't forget the gumroad.com backslash Todd Capital site. We have all of our programs there, the Long Distance Real Estate Investing Program. We have the LLC program. We have the Stock Option Program. We have a bunch of stuff there to help you guys out. And all of our programs come with the free consultation, so you get a chance to talk to us 
for at least 15 minutes, we can kind of hash out some of the problems you might have in implementing those courses because it's not just the knowledge, it's the implementation. My name is Charles Oglesby, also on the top millionaire. Rashonda Scott will be here tonight. We have two more episodes to record, so I know you guys probably missed her, but she'll be here tonight for two more fire episodes. Thank you guys for tuning in. Charles Oglesby, episode 137, signing off.